And now for an important public service announcement from the Mechanical Freak podcast. Irish Americans' most important holiday is right around the corner. No, not a funeral for a dead cop. It's St. Patrick's Day. Everybody's busy getting ready for the Feast of St. Patrick, trimming their four-leaf clovers, sorting their flogging molly records, and most importantly, dreaming of St. Patrick's Night when they can stuff their faces with delicious corned beef and cabbage. People are already planning their massive grocery store meat runs, and with corned beef selling for $3.99 a pound at Fred Meyer, you can't lose. Wrong. It's exactly this type of thinking that has the Irish continually posting L's. That's right, Brian. While the Irish have been busy blaming the Protestant wind for their troubles, they fail to take into account the holiday-based fluctuation in meat prices. If corned beef is $3.99 a pound now, it'll be half that the day after St. Patrick's Day. So while the Irish are sleeping it off, you can swoop into the Fred Meyer and score a real deal. Then go home and boil it. Yeah, just boil the shit out of it and eat it. It tastes good. So post a W by buying your weird pickled meat on Thursday instead. (laughs) But don't take our word for it. Take it from Seattle mayor and proud Irish American, Jenny Durkin. My grandfather was a potato. The more you know. American heritage. <laughs> hey, can you believe that Fred Meyer paid us for that ad? Unbelievable. <laughs> Your tattoos are so deep, they really make me think. Uh, that's real true intelligence. doing there but like you know if you want to get for the future if you want to load up your freezer hitting your preferred grocery store on thursday morning is like the bonanza the beef bonanza of the year delicious briny corned beef for as sometimes as low as a dollar a pound yeah bargain basement i work i used to work in a a a kitchen and we would run um you know corned beef specials on on St. Patrick's Day and have a ton left over. One time, this guy who used to use his paychecks to buy uh, Chinese AK-47s, which he complained about constantly <laughs> for jamming. A type of guy. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he claimed that he was banned from two states, Arkansas and Illinois, and um, worked with me in the pizza kitchen there. And he, uh, he brought the... The corn. We were about to throw out the corned beef cab or the corned beef because it was a, a, several weeks after the the special had run, and he was like, "No, no, no, no! I'll give it to me." And then <laughs> <laughs> we were like, "It's rotten meat." Well, what are you going to do with it? And he was like, "I got some plans." And then so <laughs> the next day he came to work. I was like, "What did you do?" He's like, "Well, I got my new AK." And I was like, "Yeah." He's like. I tied up the corned beef to a post outside my bedroom window and then little squirrels and shit would come by. I just pop them off. Oh my God. <laughs> this guy rocks. Wow. Is he running for any office or anything <laughs> at this point? I'm pleased intelligent. to announce that I'm running his campaign for position nine. <laughs> he is not banned in Seattle. He's not banned in Washington state as far as I know. Will, the guy from the pizza kitchen in college, 
for position nine. Awesome. There you go. Well, you know, I I can't endorse that because the thing is, like, uh, corned beef doesn't rot. If you keep it in it, the package it comes in and it's in its salty brine, it'll be good forever. It's right. in a freezer, man. You can have that stuff years later. And it really is true, folks at home. All you have to do is boil the fuck out of it. Take yeah. it, put it cold, um, dump. And the package will usually say to like rinse the salty, bloody brine off it and no. all the spices. That's no lies. You put that right into the pot. You put it in cold. You put it on the stove and you bring it to gently to a boil and let it sit on the lowest possible simmer for, I mean, 12 hours if you got it. And you throw in your potatoes and cabbage at an appropriate time before so that they'll be done when you want to eat them, but not the whole time you're cooking the beef. And um, and you've got a delicious, cheap meal. I mean, this is why Irish Americans ate it, because it's cause it was so fucking well, cheap and, you know, Boston lunch or whatever. Well, I'd like to welcome everybody to the Mechanical Freak Corn Beef cast. Uh, we're uh, broadcasting live from the top of the Red Tower today, uh, just talking corned beef, talking everything Irish American. Of course, I have Greg and Munya on the show with us. and But we also have possibly Irish American, Rich Smith. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a quarter Irish. Okay, that's not good enough. Not not here. I mean, it's good enough to claim that you are Irish American, for which actually no real Irish heritage is required. Uh, it's really just an attitude. Yeah. Um, the mindset. <laughs> very much so. But we are glad to have you here anyway. Rich Smith from The Stranger, returning guest, friend of the show. Rich covers, you know, the last time you were here, Rich, on the show, on the boat in the good days before COVID, uh, you were covering all politics, if I'm not mistaken, as a stranger, just politics and government, <laughs> just anything that was going on the city, state, county or national, international level. That was you. Um, am I wrong about that? And now something's changed. What are you doing these days? Well, um, now I am the uh, associate editor, which means I cover uh, all politics and I also have to edit people. So okay, okay, all right, good. It's become good. even more difficult to do the job, <laughs> and I disappoint myself by not writing as much as I'd like to, um, but still feeling like I should, you know. Uh, and I, I do it. I, 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 I produce enough content, you know, in a week to earn my keep while um, while editing, and so. But yeah, so basically, the scope of the beat is. Um, is the same except for Natalie Graham, my my colleague, covers uh, the city stuff more. So I'm I'm typically laser focused on the the state, especially when um, the legislature is in session, as it is uh, now. So, but Rich, isn't all politics local? <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> we cut that out. <laughs> I've, okay, also so, been, I've also been told it's personal. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so basically, so yeah, you're. Uh, I've, we've noticed this in your writing. Um, uh, that is something you know from the outside. You can tell you're you've been focused on Olympia, and so now uh, I want to know: do you, does this mean you like actually? Because I just know from us doing the podcast, like how it has changed, like rewired my brain, just really actually focusing on city politics. And I, I want to ask you about state politics, like. Do you actually know the names of state legislators and can you like pin them together with faces? 100%. Almost all of them, um, except oh for God. some kind of uh, <laughs> Bless your soul, man. 
That is the I darkest guess, admission I've ever heard on this podcast. I, I, I there's some like you know uh, maybe a few weird around around Pierce County Republicans. Maybe I don't know, and maybe, maybe out east there's a couple weird ones. Mm-hmm. May, maybe one or two um, on the peninsula, but I um, no, I know them all. I really like uh, just you know. One of my pastimes when the legislature is in session is just getting stoned and watching TVW on the weekends oh uh, my God. when they do floor debates, you know, uh, and so you really get to know their names that way. Folks, you thought C-SPAN was like so yeah. boring. It was parody. Right? When, you're, when you're watching TVW, does it sometimes like get a little fuzzy and then you just hear this ancient language being chanted and <laughs> you, see, you see these runes of an old city under the sea or anything like that yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) that does happen that does happen but then unfortunately it goes back to like republican representative brad clippert screaming about anal on the floor and uh hold on tell us more about this <laughs> yeah, wait a minute, forget we're, what we were going to talk out. about you guys are missing out if you're not watching tvw on the weekend the republicans <laughs> are like in the national level all insane and trump most of them are trumpified and yeah. and uh and they were like that before trump and uh, one example is Brad Clippert, who is uh, – oh, God, I can't remember what um, his legislative district, which one he represents. But it was last year or the year before the House was debating a bill about uh, – that would have – it would have it not charged kids with felonies for sexting. And mm-hmm. uh, he uh, – which is, was the case but last year. And, uh, you know, because if a kid – you know, two 13 year olds trade sexual photos or whatever, that's child porn and you get, yeah. you get thrown into the slammer, you know? Yeah. That. It's happening. Yeah. And so Clippert, uh, just started, I guess because there was some story of a kid like sending some pretty hardcore sexts or something, uh, that maybe involved BDSM or some kind of rhetoric around there. This prompted Clippert to just read the definition of sadism out loud and to read various <laughs> like RCWs that list out explicitly what sexual acts are considered felonies, like, you know, that kind of stuff that um, would be involved in what, what the kids are trading back and forth. So uh, he just uh, so he went on this incredible rant, including genital to genital, oral to genital, anal genital, oral anal. <laughs> just reading the kinds of photos he was scared kids would send to each other, which included like. Awesome. Did he just did he just constantly say, "Children, do not send me these photos. I'm gonna give you a list of photos I do not want you sending to me." <laughs> we, we, yeah. <laughs> he's a uh, he's a. Um, his day job was or is as a uh, – he was a cop and then he became a, oh, what, what a, a lunchroom cop and he's Jeez. also a like evangelical preacher. So oh, he's course. just up there oh, being God. like anal penetration of the vagina with yeah. any implement necessary. Like, you know, it's like, it's just like <laughs> that really intense. I've got a video of it on the on the blog. Whether between persons of the same or opposite sex or between humans and animals. Penetration of the vagina or rectum by any object 
uh, if you want to link to it later, it's uh, it's one of my favorite things. So, do you think that uh, it's his name recognition that got uh, Greg Clipart elected as state legislature? I think he's a huge. I think he's a towering figure in the community, whichever mm. community that is. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know his 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 job as a lunchroom cop. You know, he meets a lot of families and. And, uh, and as a patrol officer, I'm sure he was uh, he was knocking on a lot of doors. Well, it's a lunchroom cop, an evangelical preacher or whatever. He knows a thing or two about pedophilia, so I should probably listen. <laughs> uh, so anyways, the capital so, gains tax. Yeah, What's so yeah, two that? stories we actually want to talk about today <laughs> that you've covered in The Stranger recently. Um, the, I guess, impending passage of a capital gains tax, perhaps, in Washington State. And then later we're going to get to the... Uh, Washington State Supreme Court's overturning of uh, the law, the felony law against uh, drug possession in Washington State and what that's going to mean, what's going to happen with that. So first to get into the capital gains tax, you covered this uh, in The Stranger entitled (laughs) simply Washington State finally passes capital gains tax. (laughs) And that is that really sums it up. The finally is really... um, key there why don't you tell us uh you know where that sentiment comes from well i i I wanted to title it uh finally fucking passes the capital gains tax or fucking finally but i couldn't make that distinction and i didn't know um uh or neither distinction satisfied me and i thought i would get buried in google search or whatever so i just went with that one but the exasperation comes from the fact that the idea the bill was first introduced um, in 2012, I think, by now yeah. House Speaker Lori Jenkins out of Tacoma. And it's been introduced every year since. And uh, the last five years, our, you know, Bernie Kratt uh, governor, Jay Inslee, has uh, put it in his, <laughs> as we all know, uh, has put it in his uh, budget. So, you know, it's a very popular idea. Um, it's It was popular with a lot of mainstream Democrats and uh, it would go some way in um, making our tax code fairer. Uh, it's the least fair tax code in the country because uh, it uh, taxes poor people uh, at a, a higher rate than it taxes, uh, or poor people pay a higher percentage of their income in taxes yeah. than rich people do. And uh, so there's, um, and that's been going on for too long. They'd be able to pandemic collapses the economy in some ways and service industry gets uh, hit the hardest uh, that regressivity in our tax code is only going to get worse so the question is is do you know do we build back on the backs of our poorest again uh which will happen slower uh, if we don't write the tax code or do we um ask the rich to pay their fair share or rather write a law write a law and force them to pay their fair share <laughs> yeah. uh, and yeah. uh, and recover much more speedily yeah, I think the problem is we've been asking them too long. <laughs> yeah, so famously, Washington State, like you said, one of, if not the most regressive uh, tax regime in the country. Primarily, that is because uh, there is, unlike most other states, there is no income tax in Washington State. So yeah. there's just they're, they're, the state only collects taxes from... Uh, sales tax, property taxes, other fees and and taxes on 
uh, other stuff, but not actual income. And yeah, the one the business people hate the most is the B and O because it taxes the business and occupation tax. It mm-hmm. taxes gross receipts, and so they're always complaining, like you know, you're taxing my gross receipts every year. What if I don't make money? <laughs> what yeah. if I don't make a profit and I still have to pay taxes? That engenders mm-hmm. a specific kind of hatred that's difficult yeah. to describe the, the but. answer to which is then what you're running is not a business it's a scam of some kind <laughs> so. well, i feel like the the not wanting the gross receipts tax is like but if it's net then i can hide my <laughs> it's like easier to evade yeah. yes to hide yeah. the money. then you don't know what's profits yeah if it's yeah. net i can use that to write off every possible thing i want yeah, yeah. so yeah this was originally proposed years ago by the current speaker of the house who was a freshman at that time i believe Mm -hmm. in the house according to your article and um the thing is that was a much much bigger tax right like that was five percent on capital gains over five thousand dollars if i'm not mistaken i'm not sure what that original one was but it has gone through a bunch of different permutations i mean the the one that the governor proposed was nine percent on any profit on like cashing in over twenty five thousand, and uh that threshold just keeps going up is the point and then now it's at two hundred and fifty thousand. right that's right so do we have any idea of like I mean, that's an absolutely comically narrow spe- I mean, who's getting 250 grand in capital gains yearly? I, <laughs> like, you could probably count that many number of Washingtonians on like two hands. The state did. It's about 8,000. <laughs> that's wow. what the Office of Financial Management says. So like literally the number of hedge fund operators <laughs> in Washington, uh, you know, is the number of people who are going to be taxed by this. That's incredible. In addition to the threshold you know, raising and the the rate lowering, they also exempted more people so and, or, and exempted more things. So earlier versions of the tax included stuff like your third home <laughs> or your second home or your ranch, uh, mm-hmm. you know, speculation on livestock, shit like that. Uh, and all of that is, is, is been uh, exempted now. And so it's just, you know, pretty much just, uh, stocks and bonds so yeah so all real estate is out of it yeah basically yeah that's wild so basically it's just on like on sales of securities essentially right and and only at a profit over two hundred fifty thousand. and like i guess like large business sales mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay all right I- yeah. And if you have a if it's a family owned business sale, then you get a a, a pretty big deduction uh, on your taxes for that. So yeah, those are the kind of two major areas as, as far as I know. Yeah, and so you know, looking at your article, I mean, basically this has been a nine year effort. Uh, it apparently has the support of the governor, right? You have some polling data to show that's got like pretty like good broad public support. Uh, yet somehow it managed to get dwindled down <laughs> to what we finally have, uh, proving <laughs> democracy works, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, so you quote, um, let's see, Republican state Senator Phil Fortunato, uh, the <laughs> aptly named Phil Fortunato saying that those very, some of these very wealthy people who will be taxing this sometimes buy $30,000 desks from craftsmen who are not millionaires. So 
basically like just throwing out all of the uh, possible all the bullshit of like we can't uh this is just trickle down economics yeah. right like this is still the the <laughs> the this is the line from republicans is like we can't take uh we can't tax rich people on investment or anything else because uh, how are they going to shower that money on us pores? Exactly, exactly. If we tax them, then they're going, you know, then they're not going to create the jobs that the pores need, and uh, and and they're not going to buy our our thirty thousand dollar desks. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Sounds like this economic system just doesn't work. Then <laughs> I'm starting to see some potential problems. Well said, sir. Yeah. Well, yeah, when uh, when they cut, you know, it, uh, this is. The other particularly galling thing about this is like there, every Republican and conservative Democrat is like conveniently forgetting about Trump's tax cuts, you know, mm-hmm. which like yeah. <laughs> huge cut to the corporate tax rate. You know, rich people made out like bandits three years yeah. ago. And so, you know, to ask them to I, you know, I, I haven't done the, the, the I haven't run the numbers on this. Uh, or anything, but I bet that even if this capital gains tax, you know, passes um, and goes through, survives a court challenge and a referendum, then uh, the rich will probably still be paying less than they would have paid in 2017 before the Trump tax cuts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I, in this case, it's it's not even like a tax increase; it's like the minorest clawback of yeah. massive tax break. Tax breaks. So. Yeah, yeah. From, from yeah. a state. Yeah, and it is. I mean, you guys are are highlighting how obscene it is. I mean, $250,000, like it doesn't even really hit your like average, uh, uh, you know, super good tech worker, you know, who's, Mm -hmm. uh, when they vest their stocks, um, and let's say they wanted it to like, they got $400,000 in Amazon stock or whatever, you know, they would have, they would, they would cash in and then they would have to pay it because the tax only hits on any profit above 250,000. So, you know, it would just be, what, uh, 150000 on that. It would take 7% of that. And they, just such a small number, you know, that person wouldn't even miss it. And if they really wanted to get around the tax, then they could just take out half one year and then take out half the other year. <laughs> yeah. You know? So it's, yeah. it's not like, you know, it really is just taxing massive capital windfalls that I don't even really know what <laughs> I don't I don't have much access to in my life, you know. And yeah. uh, majority of uh, uh, the seven point five million people in Washington don't either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're talking about one tenth of one percent of the population. That's basically right. affected by this. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So you mentioned yeah that people are expecting a legal challenge to this. Uh, yeah. So what what would that look like? Yeah, they'll sue um, because uh, they'll call it an income tax and they'll say that uh, an income tax is unconstitutional under the state law, which uh, forbids uh, uh, ununiform property taxes. So you can all property taxes have to be taxed at the same rate. I think Tim Iman had a um, uh, an initiative that passed that uh, caps uh, property tax raises at 1% per year. So you could have a 1% income tax statewide, but that's as uh, that's as high as you can go and you can't have a graduated um, uh, income progressive tax. tax. You can't have a progressive tax, that's right. Yeah. So 
Right. So they would say this, that this, um, what the bill is calling an excise tax, a tax on the transaction when you sell your securities or whatever, uh, uh, people who are against this might sue and say it's a, a, an income tax, just the way sales tax is an income tax. Cause the money I'm buying my donuts with, uh, <laughs> was money i at some point earned an income therefore it's an income tax i guess is what they'll say i guess yeah yeah that's well they'll they'll say no they'll say that income is right i mean it's 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 a weird distinction the washington supreme court thinks that income is property and so you can't have a progressive property tax and um therefore it's unconstitutional yeah, and these this goes back to these rulings in yeah the 30s and in 1951 reaffirming that and you quote though jamie peterson one uh one uh state legislator whose name i do remember because he he has he was at one time many years ago uh one of mine saying that he hopes that it will get challenged that it will go to the supreme court and that will potentially give the supreme court an opportunity to reevaluate those awful uh rulings that have prevented an income tax is he serious about that does he think this is happening this is part of some strategy on the part of some democrats including him is that just an offhand thing he like wishfully thinking like oh maybe they'll toss this shit out like no. is that serious on any level yeah it's totally serious Okay. Yeah, they're into it. I mean, they. You know, <laughs> I, I. I think that. Well, they. Some of them would welcome uh, this uh, question of whether or not we can have an income tax um, to be answered uh, by this uh, by the Supreme Court, and they see the capital gains tax as a as an avenue uh, for that. Uh, certainly. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that sounds like the best possible outcome. Uh, well, it, you know, there's a right, way. In, like, there's a cynical way, and yeah, if that happens, if the Supreme Court says like no income's not property you can do this then we could get an income tax uh, or we could try to get an income tax <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah and to try to that'll be it. another 10-year fight yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh the other bad thing that could happen is that you know they'll pass the capital gains tax um it'll get challenged in court if it survives a referendum and then the supreme court says no uh and then <laughs> and then we just don't have the billion dollars every two years that we thought we were going to get from this tax. And we wasted a lot of time and money trying to find out. And mm. now Democrats are scared to pass anything that even smells like an income tax, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. for, for forever. So, and then the other thing is there's, they're all, we're also anticipating a referendum to be run against this. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess presumably the messaging of that would be like they're coming after your 401k or something. Because I mean, like, I mean, you can't be like, hey, the other 7,999 people who might have to pay this they <laughs> sign will, on. Right? But yes, right. But. They'll call it an income tax. They'll say that it's a slippery slope on the way to an income tax. Uh, and we've got to, you know, nip this in the bud. Say it'll scare away investors and rich people and businesses. That yeah. works in Washington State every fucking time. People eat that shit up here. Absolutely. <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's exactly what they'll say. They'll say we have all of this innovation because of our, like, attractive tax mm -hmm. regime. And this is why, and, you know, they'll get a bunch of construction workers to stand in front of a shutdown, you know, construction building or whatever. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it'll just be the head tax, but statewide. And 
and um, <laughs> that'll be it. It, it, it. So it'll be it'll be um, it'll be a tough uh, 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 challenge, especially if it runs. You know, this year nobody big at the top of the ticket. Um, yeah, and if they have a bunch of money goes into that to back up that referendum, uh, then um, then it has a pretty good chance of winning. Okay. Uh, well, that all makes sense. Sounds like it's going to pass and get through, but then who knows what that means for the future. And it's not that much money anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess on the plus side, they did whittle the legislation down enough that, uh, fuck it, I guess that it, it slipped through the door the way like a mouse can compress its body. Cause it has like, <laughs> no, like uh, soft bones or whatever and, and squeak through like a closed door jam. That's how this this bill worked. That's the strategy, Democrat strategy in what in Olympia. Um, okay, so we're going to move on now to sort of the main uh, story for the evening. Um, this is, you know, this was a real surprise story that remains also ongoing, and I think is going to be for a bit. This was two weeks ago now um, when the news sort of dropped, and you had an article in The Stranger, uh, titled Washington Supreme Court Decriminalized Drug Possession Statewide. What happens next? What happens next indeed? I'm just going to read from the beginning here. A major front in Washington's war on drugs suddenly evaporated last week when a majority of the justices on the state Supreme Court declared the state's felony drug possession law unconstitutional. The move essentially decriminalized the act of carrying small amounts of drugs. The ruling created big waves in the criminal legal system and in the legislature, predictably prompting conservatives to lose their goddamn minds, moderates to stiffen slightly, and those fighting the racist drug war to cheer. Uh, are we cheering, folks? Are we cheering? Sounds mm-hmm. sounds kind of good. I say this is uh, yeah, it seems good. All right. Um. I'll I'll cheer to that. Uh, so, Rich Smith, um, yeah, help us understand here. Uh, I mean, the background, I guess, is that, like you said, the racist drug war. Um, this is something you know we spend a lot of time talking about on this podcast uh, over many years about how you know the drug war is really like a tool to oppress poor and marginalized communities, uh, mm-hmm. communities of color. Um, and you know, uh, felony, simple drug possession is one major tool in that toolkit everywhere, including Washington state. Um, what's going on now? Yeah. Well, right now they got to figure out whether or not they want to put that racist tool back in their belt. Uh, and some (laughs) cities are doing it. Uh, I think, uh, Marysville just passed a law that would recriminalize, uh, the simple possession of drugs. Um, and yeah, so uh, they oh, didn't wow. lose a beat on that one. They just got right in there. <laughs> yeah. They're like, I don't, I can't live in a world where someone is just like, you know, smoking meth, uh, alone in a park. And, uh, and I can't, uh, immediately send them into the criminal legal system and, you know, uh, have a huge impact on their lives for the next five years. Yeah. And charge them with a felony. You know, that's the, they don't want to live in that world. Yeah. What I think, you know, the thing that was sort of interesting about this was that, you know, so they, they ruled that the possession law was unconstitutional. But I mean, if you want to get into semantics, I mean, much of the drug war is unconstitutional. Yeah. I mean, like no knock warrants, et cetera. Right. Like and the court has been pretty obliging as far as just like shredding Fourth Amendment rights in the name of the drug war. So what, you know, since you sort of followed this a little bit, what in your mind 
cause the tr- court to all of a sudden be like, wait a second, maybe the drug war, maybe there's something going on here that's bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think uh, the balance of the Washington State Supreme Court probably had something to do with it. We now have more um, uh, people of color uh, on the court, uh, and they uh, are more... Uh, they tend to have a more progressive or liberal jurisprudence, jurisprudence uh, compared to uh, the the old the oldies that have been on there for a long uh, for a while, and um, and that you know they just have different politics, <laughs> and so that that, that, that kind of shined through uh, in their ruling. You know, basically the the majority said that uh, you know the the simple. Washington was alone uh, among states who had a, a strict liability standard for drug possession, which means that you could get charged with a felony uh, for having any amount of drugs on you, uh, no matter whether or not you knew it or not. Or, or not. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, that, that um, because that existed – and because you could have been involved in what the court called innocent behavior, that is, you're just sitting there wearing your friend's pants that abs- that abs- just so happen to have meth in it or whatever, um, because the state can charge you with a felony and you can be convicted for doing that innocent thing, these justices decided that our felony penalties are so egregious, so bad, so harmful to people's lives be- in that it prevents them from – uh, obtaining housing, from getting jobs, from all kinds of you know shit uh, in, in day-to-day lives for so long that um, it was just <laughs> that that penalty uh, exceeded the legislature's ability to um, write a law with that strict liability standard standard when it came to drugs. So they threw it out. Yeah, pretty incredible that uh, they just basically said that the whole thing was unconstitutional, not like have some other kind of remedy, right? Like they just said, doesn't meet the standard of requiring um, intent, which most sort of felony criminal law does, that it's unconstitutional and therefore the whole thing is gone. The whole thing is invalidated for all time that it has existed. And so theoretically what people are saying now what you report in your articles people are saying that this means that all these convictions uh from you know anyone who's had these convictions in the past are theoretically invalid and will have to be remedied in some way right theoretically absolutely invalid anybody who has been convicted of this charge in the past um retroactively from the day that they made that ruling going all the way back has to get resentenced um, or, or, you know, they can um, get resentenced and they can have their um, uh, that that conviction vacated. And I mean, it was it was huge. I mean, when they <clears throat> excuse me, when they, when this ruling handed down, there was like, you know, people were like, is it retroactive or is it not? That is, mm-hmm. is w- what I just said going to happen or is it not going to happen? But every prosecutor, most prosecutors knew uh, it absolutely was retroactive <laughs> and they mm-hmm. immediately got, you know, cops statewide said, you guys can't, 
um, uh, be arresting people just if, if uh, drug possession is the inciting incident of that arrest. And immediately uh, prosecuting attorney's offices either got to work uh, gathering um, the data of, 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 of cases where they have uh, filed simple possession charges or got to work uh, challenging, <laughs> you know, the, mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, the, the ruling uh, and or asking for, you know, a reconsideration. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's huge. Uh, prosecutors and, uh, have been, uh, tacking on, you know, this, uh, this charge to, uh, uh, other sort of larger offenses in order to get longer jail times, mm-hmm. you know, basically. And so if you were in jail on an assault charge and five simple possession charges, cause you had some drugs on you at the time r- right now, you could apply to get resentenced and have those judge, those drug charges dropped from your, t- your time. Uh, and, uh, um, and that's, that's happening with a, you know, I, I don't think we have the numbers yet. I'm sure we have the numbers. I don't know them yet. But, you know, when you talk to prosecutors and defense attorneys about this, it's tens of thousands of cases, if not a 100,000. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, this, I guess, is what I meant by, like, the- theoretically, right? Because, like, our prosecutor – it's not like prosecutor's offices are going to just, like, blanket all over the state or just going to go – like blanket through all their things in a speedy manner and expunge all these well, charges, they're, right? They're also not going to look into it at all. Right? <laughs> you have to apply, as you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm actually not a hundred percent sure on what the process is going to be. Um, I know, you know, uh, that the, the like the Department of Corrections and the uh, Office Administrator of the Court or the court's administrative offices need to get together and, um, and run through, compare their notes because they have all this data about who's in jail for what, uh, and on what charge in different silos. So the prosecutors have their own data, the jails have their own data and the office of the courts have their own data. So they all have to get together to figure out who they got in there for what, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, there needs to be, um, uh, you know, uh, a movement to get all of these, um, uh, you know, uh, sentences vacated or, um, or, or, or cut down uh, for time. And yeah, it's not an automatic thing. Um, lawyers have to get to work doing it, but well, um, I mean, I, that kind of says it all right. Like that, that like, there's no, there is no, won't surprise anyone to learn. There's no process in America for bringing justice to people like wrongfully imprisoned for any reason. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, and so this, like, it, I mean, if we're going to have, if these people who've been uh, convicted and put away under these, you know, cruel and racist and sort of p- just really punitive and sick uh, drug war laws like, you know, possession, which is a lot of people, if they've got the Department of Corrections and prosecutor's office to rely on to now get them out because of this ruling, a lot of these people, if they're, you know, it's going to be a while before they even find out, like anyone bothers to tell them, right? Like, I yeah, know. I think you'll okay. see a lot of like um, associations, uh, like def- public defenders and other kind of uh, uh, lefty legal associations kind of leading the way uh, on that work. And you know, I, I should have looked this up before um, uh, coming on the podcast, but there's a little bit of a corollary here in um, Washington with marijuana uh 
possession mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. vacations. And I remember initially they were pretty slow uh, about uh, about vacating those uh, previous charges um, uh, after the law passed. But then I remember the, the you know the governor being like. You know, something changed, and they they sped up the process, and more people got their um uh, got their shit yeah, more proactively from yeah. the state side. It's yeah, but it's going to take you know it's absolutely going to take money and movement, politics, and um uh, so, you know really tenacious uh, public defenders. And that that was a different thing too, because that that was you know. Uh, the new law, they legalized it. And then the state said, okay, we're going to expunge these records. This is a little different. This is sort of more serious where another branch of government is saying this law where you charge these people, you know, past tense was never valid. Mm -hmm. And so what you've got now having them in prison is illegal. I mean, again, I'm not super hopeful, but I mean, yeah, hopefully, I mean, I would like to believe that at least over some medium term, like people will get out. I mean, if people are only in for simple possession, hopefully they'll be uh, getting out. If I mean, a lot of this is going to be thousands and thousands of people who are not like literally currently in prison, but who have been in the past and who have... um, uh, you know, getting their records expunged of this shit mm-hmm. um, is going to be huge. Yeah, like I, yeah, like I said, I, I would imagine the number of people in prison just for simple possession is pretty large. Mostly, it's an intensifier. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, like mostly they're just, you know, yeah, like I said in the assault example, you're in there for assault or or domestic violence or something, and you got um, and you got you had drugs on you, and so they really they really hit you know hit you hard on that, and even at the, the beat cop level. Like they don't, you know, I, I've heard, you know, one a public defender described it to me like, um, you know, you just talk to the cops and they'll say, you know, we, we never, we almost never arrest just for, in Seattle at least, we almost never arrest just for possession. It's always something else. And then we find drugs on them and then we'll write that down. And I guess if the prosecutor wants to charge, then, you know, then, then they can, uh, you know, <laughs> whistling yeah. as they go. Well, uh, but, you know, what normally happens yeah. is they'll see someone smoking or, you know, whatever, doing mm-hmm. drugs and then they'll, they'll, catch them they'll 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 be trespassing or something you know mm-hmm. some kind of minor um michigas uh, yeah bullshit. Some, yeah some bullshit and then they'll say oh you'll so they'll stop is for trespassing uh or you know the stop is for a broken taillight and then you know what they're really after the drugs because once they catch you with the with the drugs then that's felony then that sticks then you're in jail like you know mm-hmm. then they then they have a reason to put you in there so that's yeah. kind of yeah it, it it might cut down on some of that um uh shake, th- those are those shakedowns yeah and i think this gets kind of to why you know like marysville was so hot to get an ordinance on the books and now snohomish county generally wants to do it county-wide and all this kind of stuff and why i think you can see probably a lot of uh you know, regional authorities in Washington start to do this is that, I mean, a big part of the drug war is uh, it was never about drugs, right? It's about arresting people you don't like and that you don't want in your city. And for Marysville and for like Snohomish and Snohomish County and Arlington, um, you know, arresting the homeless under the auspices of drug possession or under the influence is a huge part of their homeless elimination program. Mm-hmm. They've been going yeah. for years, right? Uh, in Marysville and uh, and in Snohomish Township or whatever, they can even banish you from the city to where you can get arrested coming back in. But uh, like for them, I mean, 
the 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 drug toolkit, right, or the the drug possession, you know, tool in the toolkit is a like a poor removal tool <laughs> for the most part, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's what part of like you know everything being illegal in America, drug possession is just one of the main things to throw at people, mm. whether you actually found drugs on them or you planted it on them. Yeah, uh, this you know if you really got away, did away with drug possession. Uh, yeah, what would, would the police take a, put on you? <laughs> a major tool away from police in, in framing you up for shit. Yeah, what would Seattle PD throw in your apartment after they shot you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, well, I mean, no, it's that that's just PR. If you're already dead, the charges don't matter. They can still do yeah. that, you know. <laughs> but, um, um, can still discredit you. I mean, the details of this are really pretty interesting. I'm going to read from your article here um, because basically this has been the case for decades. This The Possession law, unlike most states you talk about, unlike like basically every every other state, has just not included uh, provision for intent like most criminal statutes. And this has always been the case. And the courts have sort of gotten around it. And this is what you say. You say, to stop judges from throwing people in jail for accidentally carrying drugs, courts created an affirmative defense jokingly referred to as the not-my-pants defense. The state's lawyers argued this defense saved the statute but the majority argued that the defense was irrelevant because the underlying law was unconstitutional in the first place the, i guess the courts uh, were saying like uh and the, the the state's legal defense was saying like well there's this defense we we say is usable in court where you can say they weren't my pants they're not my drugs and but like you can imagine like a lot of courts have laughed that off and people have been convicted anyway. Right. Well, yeah, but yeah, the justice, uh, chief justice Stevens was, um, she kind of partly concurred, partly dissent. And, and she wrote that, uh, that we should read intent in the law, uh, for that, uh, for that reason, uh, because that, that, uh, partly because that defense exists, but, but the other claim that's kind of uh, missing here, I, I should have included it in my article is that, um, uh, the the not my pants defense uh, puts the burden of proof on the defendant, right, rather mm-hmm. than the plaintiff, uh, which in this case is the state, or you know, which, which in these felony cases, right. State. So you have to prove that the drugs aren't yours, rather than the state proving that the drugs are yours to charge you with a crime, which is generally this the the, uh, the standard in, theory in criminal you're told prosecution. In grade school, how the law works, right? Exactly. <laughs> That's what thing. That's what is the sort of fucked up thing about all this is like. All the law, all the courts, these are all like winks and like little gentlemen's agreements about things that theory that we know just get thrown out all the time. What's funny about this in this case, so you detail, so the state here is arguing the not my pants defense, right? Yeah. That this exists. Oh, yeah. If it's not your drugs, you just tell tell the nice uh, prosecutor or cop or judge, oh, well, they weren't my pants. And then, oh, that prevents you from being, and you, the innocent person, from being railroaded like this. When, of course, they could just say, no, yeah, they are. Um, yeah. And what, and you, you write that the informal name of the defense is also kind of fun because the court's decision emerged from a case out of Spokane County that involved pants. In the case, cops arrested three people, including a woman. While executing a warrant for stolen cars, a jailer found meth in one of the woman's pockets and prosecutors ended up charging her for it. In court, the woman said a friend had given her the jeans a couple days before and that she'd never used meth. Nevertheless, a jury found her guilty because state law, under state law, it didn't matter if 
she knew whether she, the, she had the meth on her or not. Yeah. This decision vacates uh, that conviction. And it's like, like you can just be, it doesn't matter what all these little like agreements and potential defenses are. It was that defense is a complete invention of the court. You know, it's not, it's, yeah. it's it, it, the fact that it exists speaks only to how ridiculous the law is yeah. in the first place. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. It's just like, like, we at least need to like have something to put over our faces when we <laughs> convict mm. these people of, uh, you know, fi- you know, having some meth in their pocket and throw them in jail for, you know, five years or find them for $10,000, you know, whichever one comes first or bargain down or, you know, whatever they want to do. And I should, I should be clear. Only one justice even put up that defense. Most of the minority just said, listen, for the last 60 years, we have decided that this is fine. And (laughs) (laughs) like we've looked at this case twice in the last 50 years, both times we were like, the legislature has the power to do this. And the fact that we have done that, you know, that we have made that decision twice in the last 50 years weighs more than this silly argument that the majority is making, which is that, you know, felony convictions for innocent behavior are so egregious that they should, they're actually unconstitutional. <laughs> and so it's like, that's, that's, they didn't even put up much of a counter argument like mm-hmm. on the, on the basis. They just said it didn't matter because precedent. Yeah. It's sort of the come on defense. You know? like, yeah. come on. So, so is that really what it is? I mean, Brian asked at the beginning here, like what, why are they doing this now? Why, like again, we know the courts of, are completely complicit in the abuses of the drug war, in you know, uh, criminalizing communities. Why now? Is it just that? Is it that it's so easy? It would have been so easy over the last sixty years for the legislature to just like amend this law, which you, I uh, say they've they've done at other times, uh, just have not fixed the intent part of it. And the court is just tired and embarrassed for them of these cases continually coming up and them having to cover for the law here. Like, is that it? Are they just playing daddy? Is like to our, I mean, that seems, I buy that more than like they're thinking, you know what, we need to work to end the drug war here now. Yeah, well, I, yeah, I, I think that maybe some of the justices do think that the drug war uh, is racist. They mentioned the disparate impact uh, on um, on black mm-hmm. people and uh, and brown people in the decision. And of course, uh, it's a similar court, if not 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 the same, because Montoya Lewis and um, and Whitener are on the court now. Um, but um, you know, they, they overturned the the death penalty in um, or struck down the death penalty in Washington for similar reasons because it was yeah. you know um, it was uh, racially dis- disproportionate uh, in its application. But mm-hmm. yes, that was also a, a, you know probably also added to their exasperation. Like, listen, you, the legislature meets every year and they don't fix this one little thing, and it allows mm-hmm. for this you know disgusting behavior to continue uh, or for these you know, incredibly um, tragic and unfair outcomes uh, to, to continue statewide. And so we're going to just finally put an end to it. Cause you well, I mean, or, or maybe a more cynical way that I I'm going to maybe propose is that you could, you could also be the Supreme court and, and say and use this language and maybe there you know there are people more i mean this only what this was what five to four yeah um that part of like what this will do for the future and we we need to get into the future i mean that's the next question here um is the legislature could have fixed the law so that 
the state could continue to prosecute the drug war in very nearly identically the same way it is doing now, <laughs> but without this n- niggling like legal problem that keeps coming up that we have to deal with. Yeah. Um, because that's, I mean, that's what's go- probably going to happen, right? So King, uh, you quoted King County Council member Reagan Dunn, former federal prosecutor, probably best summed up the conservative response to his ruling when he expressed his very serious concerns in a press release on mm. Friday. Hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands, of violent offenders, murderers, rapists, child molesters will now be released on our streets Early streets earlier, he warned, adding, we will march into the forbidden zone. (laughs) Uh, So that's basically like the conservative response, right? So isn't Rich Smith, you've been talking to these legislators. Are they not just going to even Inslee, you quote as saying like, oh, yeah, well, we'll just add a an intent provision to the law and get it back in action. Right. That's what's going to happen. Right. I mean, it's I don't know. Um I don't know because I'm, the cynical side of me says absolutely that's what's going to happen. You've got a bunch of lawyers who probably are like, wow, we didn't add a mens rea uh, <laughs> to that law. I'm like, what the fuck? We suck. Uh, we, we should just do that real quick. Uh, and then, uh, but, you know, also there was, you know, some, there's an increasing understanding that um, you have to do something about. People who are addicted to drugs aren't doing very well. The the criminal justice system isn't doing very well of solving this drug problem, uh, and so you know, we need to do something about it. And you know, Rep. Uh, Lauren Davis has this bill that uh, it would expand greatly the treatment and recovery uh, systems in, in the state and slowly decriminalize drugs. That was going to be um, a, a ballot uh, initiative, but the pandemic hit and they couldn't get the signatures, and so um, it they tried to get it uh, through the legislature. And so kind of decriminalizing drugs was kind of on the radar of the Democrats, Mm -hmm. you Uh know, and it was just going to be, go a little bit slower than they wanted to. And so this is a shock that's like where they wanted to be, but just much sooner than they wanted to be. And so I I am absolutely certain that like the Mark Mullets and the Steve Hobbses and the, you know, whoever's of the, uh, of the legislature uh, in the Senate, at least, are like stick a fucking mentrea in there right now. <laughs> like, yeah, like, what yeah. are you doing? Are you kidding me? Um, but you know, there might be there might be uh, enough of a movement to say, um, let's just take this uh, and leave it up to the counties and the cities. And if they want to criminalize, they'll criminalize, and we'll hit this next session or you know whatever. Well, that's the other option, right? Is that we have just this patchwork quilt of yeah. possession laws that are different city to city, county to county, right? Yeah, yeah, which would which would suck. be a fucking nightmare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking nightmare. so they don't. They probably would want to avoid that too. But um, you know, they they you know they don't mind passing the buck. Yeah, and you know, to, to speak to the court's intent, I mean, I I feel like they must be fed up at least a little bit with the drug war because even if the idea is like, oh, we're going to kind of uh, tiss tiss the legislature for not fixing this little you know sort of loophole in this law. The fact that this dates back to the beginning of this law and all this kind of stuff means that, I, I mean, that the one uh, Republican critic to some degree is right and that this does mean thousands and thousands of people have a right to file uh, to have their sentence vacated. I mean, this is going to tie up 
DA's offices quite a bit, which honestly, good. I mean, they're not doing anything good anyway. <laughs> you know, they should be working on this. But uh, I mean, I, I think that's the part of like it. It it's really hard to overstate what a big deal all these you know uh, sentencing intensifiers were for the drug war and were for jamming our prisons full of fucking people yeah because a big part of it is that they never get out you know it's not just we send a lot of people to jail it's that they're there for a really long time and um you know i'm sure a lot of prosecutors offices are uh looking down the barrel of like oh shit if a well-funded or you know well-organized organization starts getting you know inmates and former inmates to start you know petitioning us for these you know, vacated sentences uh, this is going to be a big deal, but I just see, you know, the right somehow is probably going to, you know, put those like, look, no, you know, it's just gonna be like the quote unquote defunding the police crisis or whatever. Like, now our good prosecutors can't, uh, you know, uh, get the homeless out from the sidewalk or whatever, because I mean, they're you are, tied up with this. Yeah. I mean, you already yeah. see kind of in the, uh, you know, the, the progressive King County prosecutor's office's response uh, to this kind of what the, um, what the argument is going to be and how loud they're going to turn it up, which is just that, you know, the people who are getting this, getting these charges, at least in, in King County are, you know, doing horrendous shit. And like we, they also had tons of drugs on that, you know, or the, mm-hmm. maybe not tons of drugs, but they've done, you are going to let like rapists, like who are raping you right now, get out of prison. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like, that's yeah. it's what, gonna be the return of the marijuana fiend. Right? Yes, <laughs> over and over. Yeah. They're gonna constantly um, uh, uh, tack simple, like having a baggie of something on you to raping somebody, and that's mm-hmm. that's then that's and they're gonna try to use that as the as the scare tactic, and they're gonna do it on the floor of the house and the Senate, I'm sure, um, uh, as debate continues on this issue. Once somebody drops a bill. Well, in a fail, very real way, they've done it in court by by building this into the system where what is deter- how you determine how people get sentenced like has to do with these points for drug possession that add up, you know. And so, like that, when that was just how the law worked for many decades, that just was how sentencing worked. So, like, it, I can see it pissing off a lot of prosecutors and judges who are like, no, but I put that person away for that time. I'd have put him, I'd have added more time to his sentence for the first thing. If there wasn't the, you know, uh, if it didn't have the drug charges to tack onto it, but I spread it out or something, you know, they'll have Mm. some kind of weird, uh, arguments like that. But I mean, I, I guess the thing is everyone's had the book thrown at them for everything they've done anyway. So it's like, most, is anyone in for the minimum sentence on something in America? <laughs> like, yeah, there, and there, there's a liberal uh, or the, one thing that uh, Monica Dingra, who's a prosecutor, she she came out of the King County um, Prosecutor's Office, and she's a senator representing Covington. Um, she's one thing she's kind of worried about is that simple possession was used often as a plea to, to plea down from a right like an intent mm-hmm. to distribute sort of thing, and so mm-hmm. she's not quite sure how that factors in or what you would be able to plea down to if not simple possession 
when you're trying to you know prosecute a, a dealer case and you and you want to plead down um but i'm sure they'll find a way <laughs> you know well, i mean they'll find something i see that being a big hold up for people who did plead down who are in the system now who did plead down to simple yeah. possession from something that prosecutors and courts will use to go well like yeah but we would have charged you if this wasn't a if this wasn't illegal, we wouldn't have let you plead down to simple possession because it shouldn't have existed. So we need to retry you or something, <laughs> keep you in the system and retry you with that higher crime now that you pled down because you pled down out of to something that wasn't illegal, I guess. Um, I can see that holding up a lot of those cases. But the other an- the answer to like, well, what are people going to plead down to is like, fuck you. If you can't make the case like like people are pl- like pe- people are pleading guilty almost exclusively in america like that's just how fucking our system works and it's and it's bad the system doesn't work it's bad you should either like it, you should be able to make a case against someone because they actually committed a fucking crime and try them or fuck off you know and let them go upon their way it's, it's always wild to me that like the if no one took a plea and everyone just like went to court like you know their rights say that they can like the whole legal system would like grind to yeah. a halt like completely oh yeah stop functioning and <laughs> so it like requires those pleas in a way which is just so fucked up well the right. the, the, the other liberal argument that or i guess kind of yeah non the rapists are gonna come get you uh tomorrow argument is that um uh, we're just not – we haven't st- stood up treatment uh, and recovery services mm-hmm. enough, and there's no way we can stand them up fast enough to deal with you know, what will surely be uh, an unstoppable tsunami of drug uh, people, people <laughs> doing drugs on the streets. Uh, and so you know, we just got to put a mens rea in and you know, promise to – to decrim in you know five years from now or something like that mm-hmm. you know or like so some kind of something like that i think you know could probably happen too but even that's kind of optimistic yeah i have no sympathy for that point of view <laughs> but okay it's weird greg was telling me this that this is what he believed just earlier but uh yeah i i think um you know one of the things, so yeah, this idea of like we're going to release all these people and it's going to, you know, we don't have the, it's always this canard of we don't have the treatment facilities as if you ever intended to build any of them, anyways. Mm-hmm. But the other part of it is it doesn't address the fact that, I mean, the reality in America is people spend so much time in jail that you literally do like age out of most crime. Mm-hmm. Like most, like, you know, most crimes committed by men and by young men. And it's, you know, by the time they get out of jail in their 40s, like, they're not out committing fucking, you know, car theft and shit like I that. I hear like, Brian Platt endorsing the system. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not the, it's not the product of the system, you know, but. <laughs> it's like, that's, I mean, that, no, right? That's the idea. Put these people away so they can't hurt us, oh. like, in massive numbers. And it works, I guess, according to Brian Platt. <laughs> but no, but I mean, you know, that's also the kind of like funny thing, too, of like, this why they have to always fear monger this, yeah. like, the rapists are always going to come out because the reality is if you just let everybody out of jail like even if you just weren't even discriminatory about it you're just like whatever just open all the case yeah, there are way too many fucking people in prison yeah yeah it's like <laughs> that's the fucking yeah. problem like who gives yeah. a shit fuck yeah. off with this like yeah, they're gonna come kill us shit. yeah there's way too many people they there's, shouldn't fucking have, be in jail in the first no one none of these people should be there <laughs> yeah and yeah and i mean to any yeah to uh some yeah lib person who's like but 
uh, but what if one in a hundred of these people commits another crime? Not only am I going to feel bad about, about that, but the right is going to use it against us. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. Go away. I'll we, <laughs> let me deal with the right. Have some courage. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah like fucking have there are innocent people just fucking rotting away in prison like in massive numbers in this country it, and including the washington state fucking get them out of there and stop fucking putting people away for this bullshit yeah. oh my god the cops and the prosecutors will and we'll have to get a little more creative about how they fucking put people away oh god forbid yeah what I mean, the thing is about the people aging out, too, is that the vast majority of people in prison are not a threat to anybody. Yeah, it's like, of course. And instead course. of treatment facilities, if you just, you know, banned the box on applications and gave them jobs and shit, like, uh, yeah. you know, to facilitate their, like, return to society and all this kind of bullshit, had things like, I don't know, like, subsidized housing and all that kind of stuff that they had access to, uh, you know, that would resolve 99% of the, you know, fears that the fear mongers throw out there. But the reality is they don't want any of these people back. They want the, the poor point. in There a is cage. a liberal fear monger as well yeah. Yeah. in this scenario. Yeah. And it's the person who says like, gosh, yeah, but we just can't yeah. deal with all these people who are going to come out. Of- and they'll say it like, well, we just don't have the drug treatment facilities, meaning for yeah. the criminal class, yeah. we're about to unleash we, the we hordes of honor community. Yeah, we don't have the other cage that we're going to put yeah, them exactly. in that we claim as a hospital. Uh, and that, <laughs> right. Or that we need to deal with these people somehow when we're just talking about mass numbers of human beings that have been fucking zooed uh, by the state. And the, those people should shut the fuck up. <laughs> So, Rich, do you think you could uh, maybe take our legislative proposal to uh, Olympia, throw it on some desks? I think Jamie would be open, yeah, to let them let them all out of prison. <laughs> I, I think that that lawyer de- for developers would be super into that uh, <laughs> that kind of uh, <laughs> that kind of that worldview. Uh, I, I, yeah, <laughs> maybe. Um, uh, I don't. I don't know how many abolition. There's one state rep who calls herself an abolitionist. Uh, 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 Kirsten Harris Talley. Mm-hmm. From, uh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Cage team. Yeah, Cage T is in there, uh, but I think that she, uh, she would be maybe the only one um, who would be receptive to that. I, I don't even know. Are there any defense attorneys in there, or who were prominently defense attorneys? Most of them are prosecutors. I mean, most of the legislature is <laughs> oh my god, just lo- cops. lawyers <laughs> or like li- a lot of them are landlords. Um, <laughs> Very a, cool. <laughs> a lot of them are just like retired industry people, mm-hmm. especially on the Republican side, just there to make sure, you know, that they're, that, that Boeing's cool uh, or, yeah. you know, or that Microsoft <laughs> is, is going to be okay. Um, they're not going to tax Amazon too much, et cetera. Um, yeah. Or, you know, whatever their like timber concern is. Um, uh, that's most of the legislature. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's pretty cool. It sounds like we're in good hands. I'm glad the the biggest freaks in the state are the well, people in charge. Were, people were like ragging on uh, Texas state legislature whenever mm-hmm. you know whenever mm-hmm. their whole uh, electric pole system went down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like one of the big lines of criticism was like. Oh, Texas, they, you know, they don't do, they really hate government there. They hate big government so much. Their legislature only meets for six months, twice a year. Ha ha ha. Like I was hearing people (laughs) in Washington say this shit. Uh, And it's like, 
Uh, Washington State Legislature meets for four months one year and then two months the next year. We, <laughs> we, we, on a biennial basis, we meet for exactly as long as te- Texas Legislature mm-hmm. does. And it's just this big West, like, state. Like, we still have a lot of this, like, you know... Like we're fucking territory out here. Yeah, it's still a lot of territory thoughts uh, out here, you know, and um, and it sucks. And of course, the legislature has all our incredibly incremental bodies, and so when you do something like uh, decriminalize drugs all at once, or uh, try to pass uh, one small tax on the rich, uh, you know, that's that's gonna take. 10 years for, for yeah. you know for, for them uh so they get used to the idea well, sounds like the system sucks and should be abolished um okay well you know yeah you know if you want to learn more about the uh texas power grid and how and why it all went to hell and how uh Democrats in Washington and California should shut the fuck up instead of um <laughs> always dabbing on them because they also suck ass um uh, you can listen to last week's episode of Mechanical Freak. Uh, uh, some good uh, information there. Um, <laughs> Rich Smith, thank you so much for enlightening us on these topics. Some interesting stuff going on. Uh, sorry we uh, tried so diligently to poop everyone's party on these issues. Uh, <laughs> it, it's kind of what we do. Um, I know you were all thinking capital gains tax in Washington. Drug possession is completely legal. This sounds great. Um, it's the socialism we all dreamed of. Yeah, exactly. Um, Maybe well, Kennedy meaning. from uh, MTV was right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know, um, you know, we're just, we're just uh, it came from the heart. So <laughs> yeah, well, I, yeah. Thanks for having me on. I really uh, I enjoyed the discussion. Yeah, thanks yeah, so. man. Is it's it, good to talk to you. Is there anything you might uh, want to plug or anything like that? Uh, just the blog, you know, just always be reading slog. Sometimes people read other stuff, but always you know, be slogging. Yeah. Always, yeah. So, sometimes people read other stuff and they shouldn't. They yeah. Should they should that. Should. Just <laughs> check out the slog. That's all yeah. going to be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the slog for featuring our Rhodesian episode too the other week. That was yeah. pretty cool. No yeah, problem. that's right. Yeah, shout out to, <laughs> Mudede. to uh, Mudede and and mm-hmm. Seattle's only blog uh, for featuring yeah, yeah the Mechanical Freak podcast. And we talked a lot about how the system doesn't work. We should get rid of it. And uh, just a little hint for you listeners: if you go listen to that Rhodesia episode, we have some hints about what system we would like. All right, and uh, <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Clear, let me be clear. That's a joke. Uh, anyways, yeah, the Harry, Dylan Roof log the views, on the chat. The views of Brian Platt do not reflect the views of McKenna Free. <laughs> somebody, so you know, another podcast on their forum was talking about a Rhodesia episode, and somebody derogatory referred who is apparently from like the you know either South Africa or something like that. Uh, but had to, to deal with actual Rhodesians had this hilarious thing where if he just called them short shorts boys or whatever because they all wear like the short shorts but yeah I just, I just thought that was very funny okay a little <laughs> regional humor we are slowly transitioning <laughs> yeah. into an all Rhodesia podcast yeah. <laughs> um, but for those of you tuning in just because you're a huge fan dedicated reader and follower of Rich Smith uh, Mechanical Freak 
formerly known as Seattle Sucks, is basically we mostly we talk about all kinds of stuff, but we we cover Seattle politics. So if you want to just get fucking dumber and dumber every week, <laughs> uh, hearing about the the hijinks of uh, Seattle Police Department and and uh, local idiots like our, uh, Ma- our Mayor Jenny Durkin, Mayor Jenny Durkin, yeah, uh, and what's going on? Like, uh, yeah, you know, tune in, uh, you know subscribe or something in your podcast app (laughs) and uh to our listeners seriously though um read rich smith's reporting he does great work over there it's a stranger rich uh dropped uh natalie graham's name also doing excellent reporting on uh like city council and yeah. the the city government and Seattle Police Department and all all those interesting things that we talk about a lot of it is cribbed from Natalie Graham articles um so <laughs> uh definitely a plug for the stranger um i i think you know if you've listened to this podcast for a while how strongly uh loyal my readership of the stranger is by how uh, emotional I have gotten about it in the past. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so uh, many years and I will continue to do so. And um, yeah, Rich Smith. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for on. Yeah. Solid yeah thanks, Rich. thanks. And right before we leave, uh, we do want to thank new patron, Brennan Griswold. We didn't get yeah. to last week. So thanks for joining thanks. the fold. Thanks for listening. We'll see you out there on the Discord. Does anybody? We should remind people that when for all of those of you who have the Patreon, there there is a, a Discord that you can get on through the Patreon. There you go. You've been reminded. The Discord is impossible to use. It's, it's totally inscrutable. Honestly, I do. Uh, it's taken me so long to it's awful. Get, boomer, if you want to get an avatar, get boomer alert. <laughs> I, I I don't really understand. I just sort of say hi, guys. What's up? And so, like people give me like little emojis um i don't really get it but it's there there's mm-hmm. some there's some people who are on there pretty regularly who are pretty cool who are giving us stories to talk about and um you know that's that's where we get our takes actually is from the discord so right. so hopefully we'll see you all in the discord and we'll see you all next week yeah bye, bye. bye.